we'll pray at the end. If you have your Bibles, uh, go to First uh, Corinthians chapter four, and we're walking through First uh, Corinthians here, um, and uh, this is. Uh, a letter of correction from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And uh, it was a very vibrant church. There's a lot going on. Uh, um, and he is just correcting some things. And the first six chapters of this book deal with correction. And the last uh, he, uh, the last seven is he, he gives, you, gives them the answer to what they need to fix and how to fix it. How many know we, it's, we're good at identifying problems. Sometimes we're not good at at going through with how to fix them, right? I'm going to tell you how I know we're good at identifying problems. You could probably look at your spouse and tell, tell them something that they're doing wrong. But oftentimes we can't even tell in our own selves uh, things that are within us. But, uh, but this is interesting. So Paul here, he's writing this letter to, the, to correct some of the chaos within the church there in Corinth. Remember I told you Corinth was the capital uh, of, well, not the capital, but they had a temple there to Aphrodite's and Aphrodite's is the, uh, the goddess of sensuality and there was a thousand priestesses that would come down every night and were prostitutes basically and they would raise money for Aphrodite's and so there's a lot of chaos. Uh, Corinth was the Las Vegas of, of the world, you know, it was Sin City and, uh, and so we, we talked about that a few weeks ago um, and, and what we've been talking about last week, we talked mainly about division in the church because they were splintered off. Some were like, hey, I like Paul. Some were like, I like Apollo. Some were like, I like Cephas. And, and so they were all uh, had their own direction. But, but, you know, how many know that, that God wants a united church? Amen. And, and God works in unity. So Paul uses this chapter to produce some analogies regarding divisions and dealing with uh, ministry and so on. So we'll look at this. So uh, if you need a subheading here, if you're a note taker, ministry of the apostles, um, chapter 4, verse 1 says this. This is how one should regard us as a servant of Christ. And so I, I like how he starts this, you know. Uh, let me ask you this. Do people in this world know that you're a servant of Christ? Do you have to go around with your, uh, you know, your card, your Christian card to let them know? Or do they see it in your life, the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you live? And so the King, Jean, King James Version says, uses the word ministers uh, instead of servant, which comes from this Greek word. It starts with an H. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I'm going to butcher it really bad. Uh, and, and, but this Greek word literally means ministry or it means servant, but it literally means the under rower or an under oarsman. Does anybody know what that is? That's a person. How many have seen the movies where people are in the bottom of the ship and they're, they're rowing, right? And there's these guys down there. There's usually a guy with a drum who's keeping them on rhythm. And so uh, how many have ever seen a movie with that in there? All right. Know what I'm talking about. And so they're in the hole of the ship and they're, uh, they were the engine. And they got goods from point A to point B, or they got people from point A to point B. And I don't know, when I think about ministry, this is a perfect example of ministry. Uh, do you know ministry is not supposed to be glamorous or self-serving? Right? Because there's nothing glamorous about being an oarsman or a, a rower in the bottom of a hole of a boat because no one's recognizing you. All they do is they see your paddle doing what it's supposed to do. And, you're, and what you're doing is you're pushing along, uh, man, the kingdom of God. You're doing your little part, your little purpose, and, and, and God's doing that. So Paul, Paul first compares ministry to being an underroar, which means we don't. Here's the thing. If you're an underroar, you don't get to dictate where the direction of things go. You trust in the captain of the ship, right? Right? If you're with me, wave at me, all right? So the captain determines, hey, we're going this way. I need the right side to row so we can turn, or I need this. And so what, what happens is all you have to do as a Christ follower is you just got to be on beat. You got to be in beat with what the, what the leader is. The captain's telling you, boom, boom, the heartbeat of God. This is what God wants me to do day after day. And, 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 and it's really simple. And I don't know, Jesus sets the destination. We just simply obey the captain. Amen. So we're in rhythm with the heart of God, or we should be anyways, and, and, and whatever you want, Lord, out of me. Lord, you get the glory out of this. None of us do. You know what? There, nobody in this building gets the glory at the end of the day. Guess what? When we get to heaven, we're not going to talk about how good we are. When we get to heaven, our eyes are going to be open, and we're going to say how good you are. 
Amen. And so uh, if we obey with, with the heart and be in, be in sync with the rhythm of God, we'll reach our destination. The next part that he says, and stewards, and so stewards were servants or, uh, or slaves who knew and they had access to the master's wealth or the master's resources. In, the, in other words, stewards, the thing about a steward is they don't produce anything, but they know where to go get something, right? There's a difference, Right. It's kind of like my kids at my house. They don't really produce anything, but they know where the cupboard is to go get food. How many know what I'm talking about, right? They're, 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 but, you know, if somebody comes over, you know, if one of them has a friend over, it's like, hey, do you want a snack? They know where the resources are to get their friend a snack. And so uh, I like Paul's analogy here. He talks about us being stewards, and so stewards don't produce. And, and here's the thing, you know, what a master would say is go and, go and get this gift and bring it to this person, and you distribute these gifts that I have. They don't own them. They don't produce them, but they know where they are at. So, so too is ministry and stewarding giftings and, and point people to the God who gives gifts according to his plan and his purpose, not our own, right? Not my own giftings. They're the Lord's. So, uh, you know, Joseph is a great example of a, of a steward in the Bible. He was the steward of Potiphar's house. Potiphar was there, and he was the man. He, he had access to all the resources and was in places that, that most people couldn't be, and, and so he was there. But, you know, stewards don't produce. And I'll give you a good example of this in the New Testament. Uh, when, when Jesus was feeding the 5,000, the disciples didn't produce anything that day. Jesus multiplied you know what their job was? There's a lot of bread. There's a lot of fish. We got to hand this out. They went to the source and said, hey, here's this. Here's this. Here's your fish, you know, fish filet right here, right here from McDonald's. Here, here it is. Take it. Go eat, you know. And so your needs are met. So the ministry isn't about what, what I can produce, but it's about what I can distribute. And you know where I learned where to distribute certain things? Right here in this book. There's things. How many know that there's mysteries in here? I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. There are things in this book that need to be gifted or shown. That's why you have a pastor. Hey, let me show you what this book says. Let me, let, let's dig a little bit deeper here. Let's, I'm going to show you where you can get into the pantry here. You can get down to the good stuff. How many like the good stuff? Amen. And so uh, it's not about what I can produce, but it's about what I can distribute. So the master... Uh, he, he has brought and he has created stuff, and we're just stewards and distributors of what he has given us. All right? How many are with me? Say, if you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. All right. And I don't know about you as a minister. That takes the pressure off of me because guess what? Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And all I have to do is say, right here, this, this is what you need. And we are the underrollers. We are the stewards. And what are we the underrollers and stewards of what? Of the mysteries of God. Mysteries of God. I love this word mystery. We see this. Paul uses this a lot. Mystery in the Greek here is mysterious. Or, uh, and you've heard me talk about this. But th these are things that were not previously known or understood. But the Lord enlightened somebody to understand, hey, this, this is a revelation, right? Something new. How many have ever had a revelation in your mind? I'm like, I didn't know that. I'll give you a revelation right now. Some of you, if you look at the interstates in the U.S., on the West Coast, the North and South ones, they start on the West, and they go from small numbers, and they get to larger numbers on the East Coast. you got I-5, Interstate I-5 runs North and South in, in California, and I-95 runs North and South uh, up, up the East Coast. How many knew that? And how many knew that, that the numbers that go North and South are odd numbers? And the numbers that are even are east and west. And the numbers in the south start low. Interstate 8 in San Diego, Interstate 10 goes all the way across, Interstate 40. And, and the further north you get, those interstates get higher in numbers. So there's this thing. Some of you didn't know that. Some of you are like, I'm going to go home and read an atlas. If you even have an atlas. You didn't know that. It's a mystery, but now you understand. But here's what we are. We are the under rowers. We are the stewards of things found in the Bible, amen, and that the Lord has revealed to us. Verse 2 says this, for more, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found what? How many want to be a good steward? Got to be 
faithful. As a minister, I'm not required to be successful, but only let me say that again. As a minister, listen, you as a minister, you're not required to be successful in, in your terms, but you are required to be what? Faithful. So let's look at this. Jonah, he was a prophet in the Old Testament without even trying. You know what? He even tries to run away from God, but he goes into Nineveh, and really he doesn't even want to be there. How many know that story? He's like, he's just fighting God the whole way. He's like, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go in and tell these people that God's going to destroy the city, and you're going to save them, and, and this is what's going to happen because I know how you are, Lord, right? He's, he, he goes in, and he preaches to the people in Nineveh. The whole city gets saved. Some scholars believe that some 2 million people were saved. Do you know where Nineveh was? It was in Assyria, okay? Bad place. Not These people were heathens. They were ruffians. They didn't deserve grace. And, and, and God showed grace on them. Probably the greatest single revival in a city ever. Everyone got saved. That's amazing, right? Now, uh, let's look at a guy who was faithful to preaching and prophesying, another prophet, for 30 years. And he didn't see one conversion. And, 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 and that, that person is Jeremiah. He preached and 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 nobody listened. Nobody, nobody changed. And he kept preaching and he, yeah, and he kept preaching. And, and his success, he wasn't measured on his success, but he was measured on his faithfulness. I believe if Jonah was alive today, he would have a book, How to Win Your City. He would be the guy speaking at the conference, right? Next up, Jonah. And he would be telling you all these things and strategies, and, and he would be the keynote speaker. And if Jeremiah was around, uh, you know where he would be? He'd be sitting out in the crowd. Because, you know, no success. But I, I'm here. I'm here to learn. I'm, I'm trying my best. But look, this is how it works. In God's economy, how many know that God's economy is different than our economy? What we see as success oftentimes in God's economy is not. And what we see as failure oftentimes in God's economy is success. But, but it, it, it's amazing. The Bible says this, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's, it's amazing to me. God, God does the old flipperooski, right? Uh, but w when Jesus gets on, this, on the scene, how many know that this, this is amazing? They mistook Jesus as the prophet Jeremiah, not the prophet Jonah. Interesting. They're like, are you, are you the prophet Jeremiah? Why? Because in Matthew 16, 14, and what can we learn from this? Is, th is this simple thing, Jeremiah, be faithful. Be faithful in everything that you do. Don't do it for man's applause or a pat on the back. Do it for the Lord. What if no one sees? The Lord sees. My mom always told me this growing up, and I remember thinking, Mom, I didn't get recognition for this or that and this and that. And my mom would say, TJ, the Lord is a good record keeper. And just because someone didn't notice does not mean that God didn't notice. You know, and Jeremiah, he never got a pat on the back. And, and, and he, but he was not swayed by man's opinion but fully trusted God. So if God has, has put you to serve in kids' ministry, be faithful to that ministry. If God has told you to serve in youth ministry, be faithful in that ministry. If God's told you to serve in the men's and the women's ministry, be if God has told you to be uh, to serve in the outreach ministry, be faithful in that ministry until God changes your assignment. Amen. I'll give you a good example of this. My wife's uh, uh, grandma, my grandma. Uh, Grandma Bledsoe, she stood about, I don't know, I don't know, maybe five foot, four foot ten. She was a, a little bitty, a little bitty old, old lady, but she, she was a powerhouse in prayer and in her relationship with God. And I'll never forget when she, she passed away. How old was she when she passed away, Kristen? Eighty-four something, eighty-six something, eighty-two? I was way off, all right. Um, but when she passed away, it, it was amazing to me. She was still teaching Awanas class on Wednesday nights at 80 years old, having having a group of girls still pouring into them. Why? Because she was being faithful to what the Lord needed and wanted her to do. Everyone say, be faithful. 
I'll give you another good example of this. There's this, in David's mighty men, he's sitting there, David's on his deathbed, and he's going back, and he's remembering all his mighty men, and he thinks of this man named Shammah, and Shammah was the guy who, who fought off the Philistines, and his one job was this, guard this, this bean field. That was his one job. The king told him, he said, you guard this bean field. And what did he do? He stood guard. He didn't, he didn't watch what anyone else was doing, didn't compare himself to what anyone else was doing. But when the Philistines came, come on, I believe God rewards faithfulness. When the Philistines came, God used him and empowered him, and he, he man, he shellacked, shellacked the Philistines that day. Amen? You know what? We have to do this. We have to think like this. God, where do you need me to expand the kingdom of God? Lord, let me serve faithfully. Here's the thing. Most of us like to serve, but we like to serve in the capacity that we want to serve. Can I tell you something about ministry? It'll wear on you. Some days you'll want to be there. Some days you don't want to be there. Some days, man, you, you just got to put on your happy face and, and, and go. But the Bible says this, serve faithfully. Come on, do it without grumbling. Come on, come on, somebody. Somebody needs to bump somebody next to you. Say, do it without grumbling and complaining and crying. And, and, and Jesus will say this, well done, thy good and faithful servant. What's that word before servant? What kind of servant? It doesn't say successful, does it? Were you faithful to what, what God told you to? It doesn't say the best. It doesn't say, oh, well done. I, you're the best at, at this. Nope. It's not what it says. It says faithful, right? How many know God's looking for somebody that's faithful? Amen. Verse 3 says this. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. I kind of like that about Paul. You know what? I'm not even going to judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. So Paul says, I'm not worried about you, you, you people or you, the church there, you people in Corinth, uh, you guys judging me. In fact, I don't, I don't put much stock, stock in the assessment of myself. Have you ever assessed yourself? That's hard to do, right? Because we like to give ourselves a little more, more grace than what we would someone else or pat ourselves on the back. You did pretty good today, Scott. Good job. And then, you know, I get in the car. I'm like, hey, hey, Tristan, how was how was today's sermon? Oh, ooh. Chop my legs out from underneath me, right? Some people are continually down on themselves, right? Beating themselves up. You ever been around somebody like that? Just said, man, I'm no good for nothing. I can't do nothing, right? But can I tell you something? People that are like that, they forget that the Lord isn't down on them. He's not beating them up. He's not, He's not. you know, you know, thinking the worst things of you. Uh, you know, and, and others say, hey, I have a clear conscience. But, but, but what is really going on is this. When people say, ah, man, I have done nothing bad. But what, what happens is we've been in church for a while. We're living a good life, man. God's helped us to live above the reproach of sin. What happens to us, we, get, we got a bad memory. We got a bad case of uh, uh, forgetting where God brought us from, amen? And, and so uh, there's that group, you know, one group over judges themselves and one group uh, under judges themselves. But here's the thing, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. So we, we just got to look within ourselves and know, man, if it's coming from me, there's probably a little bit of wickedness, a little bit of selfishness there, a little deceitfulness, right? Amen? So Paul says in verse 4, I, I'm not aware of anything against myself, but man, I don't know about you, but I wish I could, I could say that with confidence like Paul did. I, I'm not aware of anything that, that, that I did wrong in this case. It's kind of what he's saying there. I, and, and, but, oh, man, I, I mess up often as a pastor and as a person. Sometimes I have bad attitudes and bad motives. Come on, you do too, right? Sometimes you, you don't want to admit it. Nobody ever wants to admit it, but sometimes we do, and sometimes we're, we're selfish and and we get upset over little things, and uh, but 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 Paul says this: I, I don't judge others. And he's talking about ministry here. He's not really talking about fruit. He's not uh, not saying that, but he's talking about ministry. I don't judge others. It's not our place to judge others. I, you know, when I started off in ministry, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I was very prideful. I was very arrogant and not humble. I knew more than everyone. You know, I, I was, you know, I thought I knew more than other ministries, and I tell you what I could do. 
because I could look at other ministries and I could see the plank in there or the, 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 the speck in their eye and not see the plank in my own eye. Come on, somebody, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, and man, God just began to deal with me, and I began to think, you know, and the Lord just started, you know, when, when, I, when I'm deliberately beating down some ministry, I'm not saying if they're, if they're, in, um, if they're in sin, if we're calling out sin, uh, but I'm just talking about if I'm deliberately just trying to beat down a ministry, uh, you know, what I'm doing is I'm judging and I'm saying, hey, I, I know better. I, I am better than you. But here's the thing. The Bible says this. I don't know their heart and I don't know their motives. The Holy Spirit knows their heart. The Holy Spirit knows their motives. My job is to this and pray for them. I don't know, Lord, why they believe that thing or why that church, that church is doing that. I don't understand why that pastor did that. But, Lord, I lift him up. I don't know what battle he's facing, Lord. I don't know what situation he's facing. I don't know what giant he's facing. He's talking about, Paul's talking about judging ministry here because the Corinthians had, like us, man, we, they, they had in our politics, they went towards their opinions. You know, I could do that in here. I could say Democrats, Republicans, uh, you know, and weirdos over here, and we'd all split into our little groups, right? And, and, and these people, they went towards their opinions. I like Paul. I like Apollos. I like Peter. And I like Jesus. And they, they split in their little groups. Verse 5 says this, therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes. So Paul's reiterating something here. He reminds us that there is only one judgment that matters. And that's called the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. That's the real judgment. When Christ judges, come on, that's when it's real it's a reminder of this is that it's not our calling or our place to judge others. It is my place to pray for others. And sometimes when I'm bitter or upset or I'm, I'm aggravated at, 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 at this group for this, what's really going on inside is something inside of me. And I'm not, I need to be asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to get this thing worked out of me, all right? Look at this. Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purpose of the heart? Then each one will receive his uh, uh, commendation from God. So this doesn't mean that the Lord comes back and all the dark stuff that we did, he brings to light. There is a moment uh, where that happened. But how many know that the blood of Jesus washed and cleansed all your sins away? Do you believe that? I'm not so confident that you do believe that, amen? Do you believe that? Amen. Uh, the blood of Jesus, it, it cleanses us. Uh, and Hebrews 10, 7 says that uh, he will remember our sins no more or our iniquities. Ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for not holding that against me. Thank you, Lord, for forgetting that thing, right? There's nothing better than, than when you receive mercy for something that, that you deserve punishment for, right? I can, I can attest for that. Sometimes, whoo, growing up, I deserve punishment. My mom and dad would look at me and say, I'm not going to spank you or I'm not going to do this. I'd be going, thank you, Jesus. Mercy. Now, I need you to do this. Okay, dad, I'll do it. I'll do it. Thank you for the mercy. Thank you. Thank you for that. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this, uh, that we see through a, a glass darkly. Uh, why the Lord is doing some things and not others. So oftentimes in this world we think, man, why is that person being healed and not this person being healed? Why is God answering this person's prayer but not answering my prayer? Why is God helping these people but not helping uh, those people? But here's what I know. When he comes back, everything we know that seems dark to us that we wonder, God, why do you do that? Guess what? We're going to understand it. Ah. Scripture says this in Revelation 19.2 that the result will be everyone will worship him for his wisdom and righteousness in all things. That includes you, 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 you. God, I don't know why you healed this person and didn't heal this person here on earth. But when we get to heaven, we'll be like, ah, all wisdom, all righteousness. I get it, God. Woo, you're good. Man, things that I thought were just, uh, you know, we talked about this last week. We talked about uh, in ministry, some things are are hay and stubble, right? And some things are gems and some things are gold and silver. And what lasts in those things? When you build things, guess what? What lasts? Gems, right? When the fire is added, hey, hay, hay burns up really fast, right? 
Man, you, you get some straw in a barn and you light it on fire, it's going to go up really fast. Stubble, those things don't last. But uh, what does last is precious metals and gems. And I think when we get to heaven, things that we thought were hay and stubble, the Lord's going to be like, you know what? That was actually a good one on you. You you did good. Here, here's a gem. This is beautiful. This is something that came out of you. So uh, it says this in verse 6, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. Brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. So he's talking about this dissension. Hey, some of you think, some of you like Apollos, and some of you like like me, and some of you are walking around in, in arrogance. Well, I'm a Paul guy. Well, I'm an Apollos guy, right, fighting. And, and, and he's saying this. I've used Apollos as an illustration of those who, who work together. And as under rowers, come on, as stewards, right, uh, of, of people who distribute God's gift from a treasury, and we talked about the last chapter, practically, he talked about a farmer, right? So, okay, so we, we've got an under rower, and we've got a steward who just get, does gifts, and then we've got a farmer in the last chapter, and then he also talks about an architect or a builder in the last, last chapter, right? So, so these are all people who put things together that are building something that are trying to accomplish something. You know what Paul's saying? Just plow away. If you're a farmer, spiritually speaking, just plow away. Keep plowing. Keep planting. Keep watering. Keep doing what the Lord has called you to do. And, and, and don't stop. Stop comparing yourself to other ministries. Stop, stop thinking, man, man my, my Sunday school class or my class that I teach or my, my thing that I'm involved in just isn't growing. Stop comparing it to everyone else. Just stay faithful to what God has called you to. Amen? And Paul's saying, Apollos and I, man, we're in the same field. We are both farmers here, and we have the same goal. Stop plotting against the, us one to another. We, we are on the same team. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, we are on the same team. They're in the same field. They're the same stewards who are taking the gifts that God has given and saying, hey, you need to know this. You need to understand this. They're working on the same building. Come on, right? They're rowing the same boat. Oh. And he's saying, hey, Paul's just basically saying we're both yours. So don't be puffed up about it one or another, all right? I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor in Texas, we had our church hosted an event, and we had a guy who came in to speak. I'm not going to call him by name, uh, out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area and uh, out of a larger church. And I'll never forget, he came to our church, and I was just trying to be a, a good steward of, of being a host church. And this guy came in, and, and, and I was going to go ask him if he wanted some water or anything before he went to the stage. And you've got to understand, he didn't just come into the building. He came into the side door of the building and had to go to the back of the building, all right? I'm, I'm just setting a little scene for you. And, and I'll never forget, he was in the back of the church because he's, well, I don't want to say that. He was in the back of the church, back behind while worship is going on. I don't know if he just couldn't be out in the front or whatever the case. But I remember going back there and just to ask him if he needed anything, needed any water or anything before he spoke. And as I began to get close to him, come on now, listen to me. He had about two or three guys around him, bodyguards, come on. And, and, it's, and here I am, just a little lowly youth pastor, rowing my boat, trying to serve, trying to help, going up to him, this Big, massive bodyguard steps in front of me. says, what are you doing, sir? And I said, uh, oh, I was just going to ask him if he wanted some water. That's all I, I just wanted to see if, if he needed something here. I, 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 and, and this guy was not approachable at all. It's amazing. He was a great orator. He was a great speaker. He did great things that night, speaking, powerful. But I'll never forget that feeling that I felt. I thought, man, I don't want to ever be like that. I want to be approachable. I, 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 want, I, want to, I, I want to do this. And so uh, it says this, verse 7, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If not, if then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And so um, kind of interesting. 
the thing about this guy that I was talking about, this guy who had bodyguards, he was very gifted. He was a very good, good speaker. He had that gifting. But the difference between me and him was I was a little bit, I, I loved on people. I, I was willing to be a servant in the moment. And, and you know, and, and it didn't even matter. I don't care who you are. I'll hug your neck. I don't care if you stink. I'll, I'll love on you. And I, I, I just couldn't understand that. But Paul, we know this about Paul. Paul was a theologian, right? He was sharp. He was keen. He knew the word of God. He could call to things. He, he understood the, the Jewish traditions and things like that. And, and so he was, he was sharp. Apollos was a polished speaker. He was an orator. He was impressive to people with his speech. And people were just in awe and, and enamored. They're like, man, we need an Apollos around this place. And we got a little pipsqueak TJ. We don't have Paul. We don't have Apollos, man. We, we just got a little TJ here, right? But, but here's what I know about those two guys, two different guys. God made them both. This pastor that was a great orator in Texas, guess what? God made him. God made me. We're both building the kingdom of God. It may look different, right? You may not understand it, but, but that's okay. Uh, God made them both. You know, God made you different than everyone else. Praise God. Right? If we were all the same, woohoo, it would be terrible, Right? You know what I love about people that are different? They bring, they bring color to the world, right? They bring uh, just vibrancy of life. If everyone had the same sense of humor as you, it'd be boring. If everyone had the mean mug look that you're giving me right now, it'd be, everyone would be mad. It's a joke, okay? So who makes us different from one another? God, who gives gifts according to his will and his purpose. Some of you are introverts. If you're an introvert, Raise your hand. Quietly, they're going over there. All right. If you're an extrovert, raise your hand. Some of you thrive around people, right? You know, when David Craig was talking at the marriage conference, he's like, man, me and my wife are two different opposites. She's the introvert. It's almost like me and Tristan. I thrive. When you get me around people, whoo, I can be low on energy. You get me around people, I get peppy. I get good. Come on, right? Some of you introverts are going, when you put me around people, I get cranky. I get mad. I want to go hide in a hole. I don't want to talk to nobody, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. But you know, God, he distributes his gifts for his plan. If God is the giver of our gifts, then why do we boast in our abilities? Well, I'm a good singer. I'm a good this. God gave it to you. It's his gift. Come on, right? Oh, I'll give you. Uh, man, you know what? I, I don't think she's in here. But, man, I'll brag on her. Man, have you ever had a cupcake that Kendra Talbert has made? Amen. And the church said amen. That is one of her giftings. And I, as a pastor, I love those kind of giftings. My waistline doesn't, but my, but my, my you know, um, you know, and so that's one of her giftings. She, she also sings. What, you know, and, and what about like Christy Eaker? You know what she can do? You know what she does? She walks around here on, on, on days that we have uh, baptisms or big days here at the church, and she goes around and she takes pictures, and all the pictures that you guys like on Facebook, guess what? She is talented. She takes those things. She makes them good. She makes me look skinnier. I don't know how she does it. Photoshop. And, and, but she makes us look good. That is a gift that God has given her. Right? You know, here's what I know. You know, they have those kind of giftings. And you're, what's your gifting, Pastor? I smile, look pretty up here. That's what I do. You, you could have said amen. <laughs> you know what? Those are gifts that the Lord gives. And here's the thing. Not one greater than the other. It's the Lord who gives them. So, so the question question, if the Lord gives us our gifts, listen to me, do you give your gift back to the Lord? It's a good question. God has given you a gift. Do you say, hey, Lord, this is your gift. I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to serve you in this capacity because, Lord, you've put this in my hands. Maybe you're good at working with your hands. Maybe you're a mechanic. Come talk to me. We'd love for somebody to help us maintain our vans. Because pastor's not good at it, all right? 
Maybe, maybe you, can, you can paint or maybe you can do something. Say, but I could do that, Pastor. Whew, man, we need painters. We need people to do things, right, to further the kingdom of God. No one's greater than, than the other. No, no gift better than the other. So if God has given you your gift, will you give it back to him? There are, there are baseball players who are gifted with the ability to smack a ball with a bat. That's their gift. That's what they're good at. I wish I was good at it. I'm not. And, and, and God gave them that natural ability. You know what? And I love when I see baseball players, you know, after they interview him, after, you know, the guy hits a game-winning home run, and, 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 he, and he says, you know what? First thing I want to say is I want to thank my Lord for, for giving me this ability, right? I love that. That's giving that gift back to who gave it to them. There's this guy, and I'm not, a, I'm not a 49er fan, but I'm a big fan of this guy, Brock Purdy. Has anybody ever heard of Brock Purdy? Yeah, I didn't think so. You know what? He's the, he is the uh, quarterback for the 49ers, all right? And the 49ers, uh, he is by accident, by accident, he became the starter of the 49ers because all the quarterbacks got hurt. He was the third-string quarterback last year, and, and he stepped into the goal. But, man, Brock Purdy, one thing I love about this guy even though he's a 49er, I, I can't get on board with that. But, but what I love about this guy, he public, publicly acknowledges this. I am a Christ follower first and foremost. And he's not ashamed to say it, and he does it. Now, man, how many know that that's giving your gift back to the Lord? The God who made all of us the way that we are, and, and, and to God be the glory. Amen? You know what? Next time you look at your in the mirror, you know what you need to say? Lord, you are creative. You know? You are creative. Look at me. I look like a Muppet. You are creative. I'm joking. That was a joke. All right. You know, we know that God's creative because, and we know that God has a sense of humor, right? And, and, and just what the way that God uses us in different ways. You can sing. Sing back to the Lord. If you can bake, bake something for the Lord. Give back. Come on, right? If you got a strong back, say, Pastor, I can move those tables, and I'll say, go right ahead. Do it with all your might. Do it for the Lord. Can I just encourage you? Give your gift back to him. Give your gift back to the Lord. And I'll tell you this. When you give your gift back to the Lord, he will not disappoint. I promise you, he won't disappoint. He will use it. All right, verse 8 says this. I promise I'll speed up here. Uh, already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that you might share the rule for you. Verse 9, for I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. Verse 10, we are fools for Christ's sake. Woo! You ought to write that down. You ought to put that on your mirror. I am a fool for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are uh, uh, disrepute. To, to the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and, and buffeted and homeless. And we labor working with, one, uh, with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. We, when persecuted, we endure. Come on, somebody. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and, and are still like the scum of the world, the, re, the refuse of all things. So uh, now that's a lot to take in. But look, Paul is a little bit of a smart aleck sometimes. He's being a little bit of a smart aleck here. He's, he's, he's throwing it out there a little bit. He's, uh, how many like sarcasm? It's because you're sarcastic. Right by nature, you if you like it, you are sarcastic, and 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 he's being a little sarcastic to the Corinthians there, and he's saying, "Man, you guys have put us on a pedestal, and, and, but here's the thing, and, and you think that we're blessed, and you think it's so good, and then he he reminds them, uh, are you guys the ones getting beat? Are you guys the ones being shipwrecked? Are you guys the ones wearing three day old clothes? Are you guys the ones being thrown in jail? Are you the, the ones being persecuted? Come on, little little sarcasm there, right? Hey." Amen. And he's saying this, don't, you don't see me, uh, don't see me like the world sees me, okay? Because you guys say, hey, hey, you're an apostle, you're up here. But the world looks at me and says, you are scum. The spectacle here refers to the way of the Romans. That's the way they killed Christians. And, that, and, and I believe it was verse 10, uh, 
I think that's what it says. Oh, uh, verse 9, it says this, for I think uh, that God has exhibited us apostles at last of all like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. Or we have come to the place, the Romans are killing us and we're a spectacle. People are watching us die. He says this, we have no home to lay our head. Our clothes are ratty and torn. Paul makes a great point about ministry here. He's saying, be careful that you think everyone is gifted and blessed but you. You put us up here on this pedestal. See, and, and here's the thing. We often see pastors and, 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 and people on social media, the people that have huge platforms and influences, uh, but we oftentimes don't think about the battles that they face to get to that place. Right? We, we don't. We just like, well, I don't want to make it up there. That's, I'm just, I don't, that could be me, whatever the case. You know. But we don't think about the battles that they face or the persecution or people how they've wrongfully accused them or people of arrogantly calling them out for things or whatever. And, and you know what? And you, you, we forget this about people. They're on this journey of faith, too, just like you. It's the truth. I know it's quiet in here. Man, this is me. You know, uh, but Paul's reminding them, I'm an apostle, but I, I've been beaten, shipwrecked. I've been jailed. I've been starved. And he's saying, I'm not doing this ministry thing for likes on Facebook or influence is what he's basically saying. You know why I'm doing this? Uh, I, because I've weathered some tough times and, and some tough temptations. And I'm standing here today because I know Christ. And I want you to know him. Look at this, verse 14. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Everyone say, my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in, in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ, Jesus, through the gospel. So uh, Paul is, is, is taking a hint from the apostle John. I love this to the Corinthians here. He calls them my beloved children. John, John the apostle said that a lot, my beloved children. He always liked to use that phrase. But he's, he's, tenderly, he's tenderly loving on them, my beloved children. And he's saying this, you have countless guides in Christ, you have, you, you, but you don't have any fathers or, or many fathers. You know, here's what I know. You can find 10,000 voices on the Internet, on podcast, on, on YouTube, uh, or wherever. And, and, but, and can I tell you something? And they're guides. They can give you, in, but they're not going to be your spiritual father and mother. You know there's a difference between a spiritual mo mother and father and somebody who guides you, right? Right? Amen? I've learned that, that people uh, I've led, I, I see their life unfold, and, and they begin to nurture and grow in the Lord. And sometimes there are years, man, where, they feel like, where you feel like you're watching someone grow up underneath you that they can do no wrong, right? How many know that when you have kids, when they're little, you're like, man, they can do no wrong. This kid is never going to get in trouble, right? Oh, but let them get a little bit older, right? Let, let adolescence kick in. Let teenage years kick in. Come on, somebody, right? And then you're like, this kid cannot do anything right. We change, right? Thank you. And finally, they come to maturity, and they will say, hey, you know, at some point, you know, Pastor, I need your advice because I'm going through this, and I just, I just need some help here. And I, my eyes, you know, I don't know if it's right or wrong in my eyes, but, you know, you've been here before. You, you've dealt with this before. Can, can you just give me a little guidance? You say, well, pastor, do you have spiritual fathers and mothers in your life? Absolutely. 100%. And I will. I will forever until the, to the day that I die. Because, uh, you know, there are people that I can call on and say, man, I'm uncomfortable with this situation. I, I, I don't really know what to do. And, and, and how, do I, how do I approach this? Or I need to talk to this person. How do I, how do I deal with this circumstance? And you know what the answer is to most of these people that I talk to? Oh, I dealt with that. 20, 30 years ago, let me tell you what not to do. Let me tell you what to do, all right? And the truth is, some of us have been saved so long. Listen, some of us have been saved so long, you ought to be spiritual mothers and fathers. Come on, to someone. And, and I've, I've reached out to, uh, you know, some of my spiritual, I would call them spiritual kids, some of my youth kids, 
this week I reached out to one in another state, and, and I said, man, I said, how are you? I said, I, I, just, I just wanted to say hey, and I just want to tell you I'm proud of you and what you're doing in ministry and, and, and your life. And, man, I just want to tell you, uh, man, I, I believe in you, and, and God's got great things for you. And, and you know what he said? I'm good. He goes, I've been a little bit discouraged. Thank you for my message, the message that you just sent me. And he, and, and he began to just talk to me, and he said, man, you know what? He goes, I draw strength from you. And I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, man, you don't know this. He said, man, but I watch your church. I get on there, and I watch you, and I see what your church is doing. And I look at all the pictures, and I look at those things, and, and, and I know, hey, I can keep going, and I can just keep digging in, and God's going to take me somewhere. Amen? About being a, a, a spiritual son or be a spiritual father and mother. Verse 16 says this, I urge you then, be what? Imitators of me. So spiritual mothers and fathers. Uh, how I pray that that you can that you can be like Paul when he said, "Follow me, do what I do." Let me ask you this: Are you worth imitating? That's a good question, right? And I have a lot of spiritual fathers in my life, and uh, I have my biological father who's a pastor. I have most of the pastors that I served under. I I just consider them spiritual fathers over me over the years. One of those pastors taught me people skills. One of those pastors taught me how to trust the Lord and not panic in seasons of your life. One of the pastors I served, man, he just, I mean, it's just like nothing phased him. I'd be like, the church is on fire. He'd be like, hmm, why are you so calm? Just his nature, right? And, and, and man, but I, I glean from that. Don't panic in seasons of your life. Amen. How many know as a pastor, boy, you got to know that one. You don't panic in seasons of your life. You trust the Lord. And one of those pastors taught me how to build build up people and how you how you love people and, and, and begin to just pour into them. And one of them taught me how to exegete the word of God. And, and they all play a role in my life, right? And they're all of them. I, I, I think I, I, I wish... Uh, when I was under them, I wish, man, I wish I was like them. That's what I would say. I'd be like, man, I wish I could just be like them. And as I was growing under them, be able to pray with people in the hospital like they do. And, man, you know, you ever just been around somebody when they walk in the, the hospital room, you just know, man, there's just a peace and a calm with that person. I remember going on hospital visits with one pastor and just being like, man, I wish I could do that. I feel like I'm just all over the place, and God's working it to me. And, and, you know, and I look at one pastor, and it's like, man, I, I just wish I could sing like you. Or I wish I could preach like you. Or I wish I could have the stick to Yeah, that's a word I made up. stick to that you have. And my encouragement to, your, to you spiritual mothers and fathers is this. Be worth imitating. Verse 17. That's why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. That was Paul's. Paul's child that he he was fathering spiritually to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach you uh, teach them everywhere in every church some are some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills and I will find uh, out not the talk of these arrogant people but their power so Paul says I'm coming to you shortly but but I've already sent Timothy and listen, he's, he's, a, he's just a protege of mine. He's just a son of mine. And everything that comes out of his mouth is going to be from my heart because he, he knows me. He knows what I am. And so, uh, you know, so he, he's got these things. And so he's well-rounded. You know, one of the things I love about being a dad is me, me and, and my kids were alike in, in ways, right? Me and Zaley have the same sense of humor. And we'll laugh at things. And we'll say, hey, Tristan, isn't this funny? And she'll be like, And I'll be like, no, Tristan, that is funny. You got to be smart to understand, you know, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I'm sorry, babe. All right, that was mean. But our kids, you know, they pick up, right? They learn from us. And that's what Timothy was doing. He, he learned from Paul. He's like, man, I could, go, I could go speak just like Paul because I've been around this guy. He's, he's helped me spiritually. Amen. And so uh, how many know Paul, he knew, Timothy knew Paul so much, and, and he had a heavy diet of scripture from him. And I think that's so awesome. So some are still arrogant because they think I'm not coming out uh, or coming, but the Lord is, but Lord will, willing, I will be there. Verse 20 says this, for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Everyone say power. This is a beautiful ending to this. Um, uh, what do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or with love and a spirit of gentleness. Ooh, the Apostle Paul coming out like, you want me to come? Do you want a spanking or do you want me to sit down and talk to you? 
I always hated that with my parents. What do you want? You get to pick your punishment. Uh, no punishment, right? The kingdom of God here doesn't refer to Christ's ultimate reign, but it, the present rule of the hearts of the people. So Paul is, Paul is going to expose their arrogant ones in the church, not with talk, but with power. What kind of power? Power of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to get up there and just talk, 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 talk. But the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within him. And that word power there is dunamis, which is the same word Jesus used when telling his disciples, hey, I will send you a comforter who will give you power. Dunamis, he will give you power. It's where we get our word dynamite. Come on, right? And, and you will receive that power. And so uh, it's not only my intellect that will call them out for their arrogance. It's the power of the Spirit of God within me, the gift that God gave me. As an apostle, to correct people, that's what's going to, that the Holy Spirit's going to use that through me. And I love his statement. What do you want me to do? You want me to uh, come with a rod or do you want me to come with the gentleness of the Holy Spirit? God had given him the authority to do either or, which is kind of interesting to me. But how many know that the Holy Spirit's full of grace, full of peace, full of kindness, full of mercy? I'm grateful for that kind of correction. Right? In 2 Timothy 2.25 and 26, Paul even tells Timothy to correct with gentleness. Correct with gentleness. Be, be kind in how you do it. So, so Paul's saying this, and I'll wrap this up. Paul's saying, stop judging one another, okay? Stop, stop doing this. Be a farmer. Get in your field. Be a builder, get in your building, be a steward, give what God has given you. Come on, right? Be a rower, be in sync with what the Holy Spirit's doing, and you will move the kingdom of God forward. You know, I'll never forget, we had a young man in our church, and uh, he came up to me one night, and, and uh, he said, I need to talk to you. And I was like, okay. And he caught me, and he said, can we talk in private? I said, yeah. So we went, we were talking in private. And uh, he said, I, I need to just tell you that one of the people that, that are on the worship team, on the youth, youth worship team, um, he's, he's doing drugs. And I said, okay. How do you know that? Well, I heard. Okay, so you're not doing drugs with him, right? Did you see it with your eyes? No, but I, but I heard. I said, okay. I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go home. We're going to pray about it. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us and sh help us and show things, right? And I'll never forget, a month later, a month later, this is interesting. A month later, this young man who had told me about this young man who was doing drugs, he, he came to me and he said, I need to step down from the, from the worship team. And I said, well, why? And he said, because me and my, my girlfriend, we're, we're having a child out of wedlock. It's one of those things, you know what? I saw the speck in your eye. I didn't have the, the plank in my eye. Amen. Paul tells us this. It's not about power. It's not just words or guidance. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about being fathered and mothered spiritually and helping someone grow in the Lord. Amen. Amen. This is what I want to do. I'm going to ask Brian.